Hey, and welcome to the Activate Podcast. The podcast is available um, on SoundCloud or on iTunes if you'd like to catch past episodes. My name is Pastor Jillian Pelkey, and I am excited to be here today to share the Word of God with you and um, something I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart to share. So before we dive into that, let's bow our hearts and our heads in prayer and agree together. God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. And God, I thank you for each and every person that's listening. And God, I ask that you would open up our eyes and our ears to have spiritual wisdom and understanding, to know you more. God, I pray that you would begin to soften our hearts to hear you today. God, don't let us harden our hearts today, but today, God, let us hear your voice. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would quicken us to understand all that's being said. God, I pray that our hearts and our lives would be transformed in your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. All right, today we're going to be talking about a subject that is overly talked about and not overly practiced. (laughs) So um, this is a basic subject that we all have dabbled in, some of us more than others, but we are diving into it because it's a it's a it's a, a, a solid rock elementary part of of who we are as Christians. Today we're going to be talking about prayer. And before you just switch this off because you have all the reasons that you already pray or all the reasons why you don't already pray, let's dive into this. Let's mag- put a magnifying glass on this for just a few moments and let's talk about reasons why we don't pray, reasons why we do pray. Let's dive into this a little bit. One of the reasons, the main reasons that generally people don't pray is that we are too busy. Our schedules are jam-packed with so many things. Another reason that we don't pray is we have kids. And so from the moment we wake up until the moment we go to bed, we are caring for them or thinking about them or working with them. Some of us are just plain tired. Some of us uh, have such schedules where we have to work and prayer doesn't really fit into our our world. Some of us might say that we're angry at God, and so we don't really want to spend too much time with him, or we're angry at other people, and we know that if we go before God, we're going to have to work that out, and we just don't have the emotional energy for it right now. So prayer has taken a back seat to uh, just the way that we have to drive through life right now. Some of us would say this simple phrase. If we're really honest, we would say, Prayer, honestly, and don't tell anyone, but I don't know how to pray. This is kind of like when you've met somebody for the first time, you ask their name and they tell you and you promptly forget. And then time goes on and time goes on. And it gets to the point where it's almost too embarrassing to ask their name because too much time has gone by, right? And I think for us as Christians, there's a whole group of us who would say that kind of same thing about prayer, like, I've been a Christian for so long, it's kind of embarrassing and too late to ask, how do you pray? Or, uh, you know, it just never stuck or I never really heard it and I I don't really know how this works. Some of us uh, might take the the tune of uh, uh, the reason that we don't pray is because it's just plain boring. It's dry and it's God never talks back to me and uh, it's just a lot of silence and awkwardness and I don't really want to waste time in silence and it doesn't do anything anyway. And so uh, I choose all the things that are in front of me rather than the obscurity of, of 
prayer because what does it even do? If we're honest, we all can easily fall into these categories of why we don't pray. And prayer is not a time clock kind of thing. It's not a you punch your time card and you pray. And if you pray a certain amount of time, it's a prescription for God having to do something. God is not a genie in a bottle that if we do this, this, and this, if we pray for this many minutes, and if we pray in this certain way, then God must uh, you know, do exactly what we have requested of him. He's God. We're not. He is the Lord. We're his servants. We're his creation. And so prayer is a time that we bring ourselves back into community, into uh, the presence of, into the, the mindset of Jesus. Because everything in our world brings us away from that. Everything in our world drives us in a different direction than holiness. Holiness is not found in our modern day American workplace, in our modern day American uh, lifestyle. Godliness, holiness is found in the presence of our King. It's found in the presence of Jesus. And so this is another obscure thing that maybe we haven't talked about enough. What do you mean the presence of God? When someone stands up and says, oh, the presence of Jesus is here. And some of us are like, what do you mean? I don't get it. I don't feel it. I don't know what you're talking about. What is this presence of God? What is this community with God? What does this mean? Spiritual things are not natural things. And so explanation is needed, but also complete understanding is never, never truly grasped. Because supernatural things are supernatural, they're bigger than us. But there are some who have spent time praying. There are those who have spent time with God. And so they're familiar with, oh, this is the presence of God. They're familiar with deep times of prayer. And so I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, we're going to start in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 is one of my all-time fo- favorite chapters in the entire Bible. But Romans chapter 12, uh, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us see them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is in the uh, English Standard Version. 
Now you may want to go back and read it in uh, a different version to, to get a different grasp on on the, these this portion of scripture. But th right here in the beginning, the appeal from the from the Apostle Paul is to present ourselves completely to God as a living sacrifice. It would be much easier to be a dead sacrifice, <laughs> but to live out sacrificial living is crazy hard. It's not the easiest way. The easiest way would to be uh, to lay down our lives uh, as a martyr in death and say, God, here I am, and now I'm in heaven. I've given everything to you. But the daily sacrifice of our lives is what the Lord is asking, is what Paul is appealing to the church in Rome to do with their lives, to daily give your life over to God. What does that look like? It does not look like doing things our own way. It looks like doing things God's way. It looks like taking our lives and saying, God, what do you have for me to do? This is so counterculture. It's so counter everything we could think of. But if we were to take a blank sheet of paper and say, God, what do you want of my life? Now, some of us could go way off the rails and say, all right, uh, you know, I'm going to abandon my family. I'm going to leave my marriage. I'm going to leave my children. I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to go become a monk. <laughs> I do not believe uh, that the Bible teaches us that that is what God calls us to as, as high spirituality. High spirituality is when the Bible teaches us to stay in difficult marriages and to be a light. To be a good parent to our children, even when it's hard. The Bible calls us to sacrificial living right where we're at. And again, this is the even harder part. It would be easier to be a monk than to work through the difficulties of extended family. It would be easier to be a monk living in a monastery than to work with the people that you work with or have the boss that you have. But God calls us to a place where we are living sacrifices, that we are day-to-day -day in the muck and the mire of our lives living for Him. Now, this is impossible unless we're close to Jesus. So he says, lay down your life and daily live for me. This, I mean, if we look at it, it's impossible to act exactly like Jesus everywhere that we're at in our daily lives. And that's why we need to draw close to God. So it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So our way to worship God is to say, God, I take a blank sheet of paper. God, tell me exactly what you would have me do with my life. And then begin to seek him and begin to ask him and ask him to show you what it is he has for you to do as far as ministry, as far as kindness, as far as acts of compassion, as far as acts of generosity, as far as the things that he has called you to do that are godly. And watch what he would say to you. Verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world. We conform to the world naturally. We conform to the world because that's the world we live in. We conform to the world because we need money in order to put food on our table. So we have to go to work or we need uh, to do certain things in life. We conform to the world because we live in it. But it says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. The renewal of your mind. The only way to not be part of this world is to be part of another world, and that's heaven. To be part of heaven is to, to draw close to God in prayer. To be a part of 
of a, to be a spiritual person. Living in this world is to not uh, shrink away and become a monk, but it is to uh, draw close to God in prayer daily. There's no way that I could be a living sacrifice if I didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit working in me. There's no way that I could be a living sacrifice if I'm not drawing close to God to learn what it is to be like Him in each situation. Here's a question to ponder right now. Whatever you're doing, take a moment and ponder this. Is God finished teaching you things yet? Or have you learned everything about God and you're all set for the rest of your life? Is God finished teaching you yet? He may have taught you many things. You may have learned many things through Sunday school or sermons or classes you've been a part of or even through completing Bible college or reading through the entire Bible. But is God finished teaching you yet? The answer to all of us, all, for all of us is absolutely not. Absolutely not. God is not finished with me yet. God is not finished teaching me yet. I need to daily draw close to him. My tendency is to be back, to be conformed to the pattern of the world, but to be transformed, to be different, to be set apart, to be his, to be holy, to be uh, filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to draw close to God daily by the renewal of your mind. I need to renew my mind to the things of God so that I don't uh, follow after the things of this world. Because naturally I'm attracted to them. Naturally, my response to someone who's mean to me is to be mean back. Naturally, my response is to leave things that are hard. Naturally, my response is to do things in the way that, that I naturally do them. But God calls me higher. God calls me to be different. God calls me to a place of forgiveness to those who have wronged or hurt me even those who have hurt me deeply. God calls us to a place of repentance for the things that we've done wrong. If we're not drawing close to God, then we're not repenting. If we're not drawing close to God, then we're not worshiping. If we're not drawing close to God, then we're not giving him thanks for the things that he's done. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. It says that by testing, you may discern what the will of God is is what the good what is good and acceptable and perfect the bible continually says that we have our ideas but god has a, a a higher way for us to act or to be or things for us to do if you take any person from the bible esther wouldn't have chosen to go before the king and risk her life to save the Jewish people. That was a God idea. Abraham wouldn't have chosen to just up and leave his family and go to a place that he didn't know about. That was a God idea. David wouldn't have uh, stopped himself from, from killing Saul when he had the, cho the chance unless God had taught him not to. These are God ideas, not people ideas. And God has ideas for your life that aren't your ideas. They're his. Joseph would have uh, given up on, on everything in prison if he hadn't known God, if he hadn't drawn close to God. And in the, the midst of our day-to-day -day situations, we must daily draw close to God to be transformed by him. So what does that look like? What is this mysterious presence of God that sometimes people talk about? What is this uh, time of prayer? What does it actually look like? How does it actually work? And really... The question is, is it worth it? 
Is it worth it? Just take a moment and think about that. Is, is prayer worth it? Is it worth your time? And then we have to reverse engineer this and say, do I want my life to be a living sacrifice? If I want my life to be a living sacrifice, if I want to be an alive sacrifice, if I want to be a walking, breathing sacrifice for God, then I must draw near to him because there, it is impossible in our own strength to live daily for God without being close to him. He offers us his presence. He offers us his wisdom, his spiritual understanding. He offers us his Holy Spirit if we will draw near to me. Seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. When we say that we're busy, <clears throat> we need to pray even more. Because as the things get added to the list of our day, we need to take time before Jesus our King. And many times, Jesus begins to rearrange our heart and show us the things that we thought were so desperately important. The things that are causing us anxiety and stress and the things that are keeping us up at night. If we're busy and we come before God, he can bring peace into each one of those situations. And as we pray and we present our needs to God, we present our lives to God, he comes in and shows us great things that we didn't know before. And so when I'm busy and I pray and I say, God, I'm dealing with A, B, C, D, and I lay them out word for word to God and I say, I don't feel like I can handle these things or I feel like I, you know, whatever it is, God comes in because he knows the intents of our heart, the intentions that our heart has. He knows he can separate every little piece of what we're thinking. And we might think that we are doing something one way and God will just whisper into our, our minds, into our hearts, uh, just a word that will change us. Sometimes that word is something like, are you being prideful in this? And all of a sudden, it, it's, it like screeches on the brakes and you think, wait, what? God, I didn't even see that in myself. I thought I was doing this for you and for your glory. And he says, pride, you're doing this to build your own kingdom. And it helps you to stop and rearrange or you'll present your, your, your busyness to God and he'll pick out something that you thought was so insignificant and he'll say, focus on this. Focus on this person. Do you see this person getting lost in your busyness? Have you forgotten this person? And those are things that you aren't even thinking about. So when you're busy, you've got to pray because God sees beyond what you can see. You see limited. He sees the whole thing. And he wants to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding in your busyness. And you know what? In the end, it saves you a ton of time and heartache. In the end, it gives you peace as you walk through your busyness. It gives you joy in the midst of your busyness. We are so busy, we have to pray. Or does our strength come from ourselves? Are we relying on ourselves? Are we the Lord of our own lives? Are we taking things into our own hands and saying, God, I don't have time for you because I am the Lord of my life and I need to figure all this out. And if I pause from my life and my stuff, I just don't think I have time for you. Busyness is not an excuse to not get with God. If in our busyness we're not praying we're prideful because we feel like we've got all this stuff and it's ours everything we have comes from God 
the things on our schedule that make us so busy, if we don't present them to God, then we really aren't living as living sacrifices. We're living to build a kingdom of our own. And that's not what God has required of us. That's not what God has asked us to. God has called us and asked us to something higher and holy, and that's to present our lives to him. And if he is not the Lord of our lives, then we just leave him out and we go, go, go. And a week turns into a month and a month turns into a year and we haven't spent time with our king. We've built our own kingdoms and not his. Busyness cannot be our excuse. Busyness has to drive us to our knees to be in the presence of our king. With our kids, if we don't pray, then we're raising them on our own. God wants to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding on how to raise your children. At every stage, at every age, from birth to adulthood, and he wants to give us what we need to live life his way. And so if we, we are in that season where we have little kids, find those moments alone with God. I'll never forget times where uh, I would turn on worship music and me and my toddlers, we would dance around to Jesus. And I remember uh, specifically turning on, on, I remember it was a Hillsong uh, album that we had at the time. And I uh, turned it on and the boys are dancing, we're playing. And as they're dancing and praising God, I'm literally, tears are streaming down my face as I'm praying out loud to God. That was my only moments that I had in my day alone with God. And my kids were right there with me, but I was calling out to my father and God was answering me. My boys heard me pray probably more than anybody else in their toddler years because I would just pray right out loud while we were playing on the floor with Legos or the little people village we had or whatever. There are uh, no excuses not to pray. Our kids can hear us pray in those toddler years and those infant years. Pray right out loud. And it will be an education for them of your dependence on Jesus. But to be a living sacrifice, God comes before our babies. Our babies come from him. Our busyness comes from him. And so he must be first. When we say that we are too tired, we have worn ourselves out for things that are not important compared to God. God is the most important. So he has to be first. Everything else could make us tired, but God has to be first. We can't just say, I'm too tired to pray. God is the one who gives us strength and joy in the journey. He's the one that revitalizes us. He's the one that makes us come to life, who makes the mundane meaningful. He makes the mundane meaningful. We have to seek him. If we're tired, we have to seek him. We have to put him first. When we say we have to work, we can't seek God. Our work comes from God. He has, there's a psalm that says, why do the nations rage? Why does this happen? And that God sits on his throne and laughs because he controls it all. The Bible says, if the watchmen watch for the city without the Lord, then they watch in vain. This is saying that God controls it all. Tomorrow, your job could be gone. At the snap of a finger, God could release you from your job. Your job comes from God. He's actually in control of all of it. And so if we say we have to work, we can't pray, we put our work above God. Are we living sacrifices? Some of us would say that we're angry at God or other people. The longer we let that go, the harder we let that heart get, the, the stronger we let that stone get, get tough in us and that, that resistance to God get, the the, the worse it is, I'm not a living sacrifice if I refuse to pray. I'm not a living sacrifice if I choose my anger over God. 
as hard as it is, we have to get to that moment on our knees where we let it out. We say, God, I'm angry. God, I'm angry at you. Maybe those are the only words that you can utter, but find a place alone with God on your knees without anybody else, without anything else going on and tell God, God, I'm angry. I need help. That's part of our living sacrifice. That's part of our transformation. That's part of God being able to bend down to us, to reach out a hand to us and begin to heal us. Now I want to get into the part where we say, I want to pray, but I just don't know how this works. Prayer is our communication with God. And it changes and it develops in seasons of our lives. It's not always the same. There's no exact prescription for prayer. People have taken uh, prayers and written them out and people have prayed other people's prayers. But our prayer time is our, our, our time to communicate with God Almighty. So there's a few things that could happen here. We could stand in awe of God and look at God as this, uh, this giant being in outer space that's so much holier and bigger than us that we can't possibly be worthy enough to speak to him and that's one end of the spectrum and then if you look on a line and the whole other end of the spectrum is he's my buddy and I can say whatever I want and it doesn't really matter and it's flippant but there's somewhere in between there that God says I am your father I am your friend and I'm also the great I am so when we pray we come to God and there's examples of prayer in the scripture there's examples of um, the, when the disciples says, teach us how to pray. So if you don't know how to pray, you're in good company because the disciples of Jesus asked, how do we do this? I think the most important thing about prayer is that we put aside time. Even if it's five minutes, if all you have to give God is five minutes, set a timer on your clock for five minutes on your phone and fulfill that five minutes. If you have a half an hour, take a half an hour. But I would urge you, if you have an hour, take an hour. Because God is worth it. The transformation that could happen in your life is worth it to spend an hour in prayer, an hour isolated off from the rest of the world to become godly, to work on, your, to work on becoming holy like God is holy, to let God speak into your life. So you take whatever amount of time you have and you quiet yourself and you quiet your mind. This is your time for your mind to focus on God alone, not to focus on your grocery list and the people in your home and the things going on and the list of things that you have to do after. This is a time to focus on God. And so we find ourselves in a quiet place, alone, away from everybody else. We begin to speak to our God and our friend and our father. There's some elements in prayer, but we don't have to get hung up on them. They can be a guide, but we don't have to get hung up on them. And what happens is many times we, we get hung up on all the things we have to do in prayer. But it's a conversation between you and God. And the God who knows you and created you has a blueprint for your life that he wants to show you. He has wisdom he wants to give you if you'll ask. So it's a conversation that happens between you and God. But a good place to start is with gratitude and recognizing who God is. So it sounds something like, God, you are holy, you are mighty. God, you are 
my everything. God, you are my strength. God, you are so gracious and merciful. God, thank you for the cross. God, thank you for being with me in this moment. God, thank you for all that you've given me in my life. God, I magnify you. God, I want to focus on you. Things like that. And then it's a place of repentance. God, I know that I'm not perfect. This is recognizing who God is and who you are and transforming yourself away from the patterns of this world towards godliness. And that would be, God, I know that today I've done things that don't measure up to who you are. God, I know that today I've responded to this person in anger. God, help me not to do that anymore. I keep coming to you with this, but it's not changing. And God, I ask you for your help. Show me, help me, God, not to get angry anymore at this person. God, forgive me for the attitude I had when so-and-so said this, God, forgive me for not listening to you when you said to do this. And so it's, it's, it's bringing to light, bringing out of the darkness and into the light anything we've done that's contrary to what God has asked us to do. And if we can't think of anything, don't worry, it'll come. Maybe not the first time you pray or the second time, but it will come as you begin to seek the Lord and draw closer to him. You'll begin to see, it's almost like the closer you get to someone who's really physically fit, you begin to see the definition of their muscles or, or their bodies and you're like, oh, see, I thought I was pretty fit until I stood next to you. <laughs> the same happens when we come next to a holy God. As we draw closer to God, all of a sudden we see, oh, this anger can't uh, set here in my heart in the presence of God or, you know, this way that I've been treating this group of people can't continue in the presence of God. And so as we draw close to God, he'll begin to reveal things to us at just the right time. And that's the, the beauty of the Holy Spirit is he reveals things to us in such a loving and kind way. It's his kindness that leads us towards repentance. It's not a harsh judgment, but a kindness. And so we don't have to be afraid of it. But when he brings it to our attention, then we can begin to act and to change and be transformed. And so we bring our thanksgiving and our gratitude. We bring our repent, repentance to God. And then we humbly bring our request to God. God, Here's what's going on with my kids. God, I don't know how to do this with my son. It's very difficult. Could you show me what to do? God, could you help so-and-so who's sick? God, what is your will? What is your, what is your will in this situation or that situation? Now, as you're asking questions, just like you would with anyone you're talking to, we have to be quiet and listen. God, would you show me the answer to this? continually God says that he'll speak to us as people. And what are the ways that God speaks? He speaks through the Bible so clearly. He speaks directly to us. And he speaks through other people to confirm things that he said. And so sometimes we'll ask God, God, I just don't know what to do as far as my, my son is out of control, my toddler's son's out of control, and I just am exhausted and I can't figure out how to make this work on, on a daily basis. God, what can I do? And God will begin to show you maybe right in that moment something that you can do. It may be just a simple word that he puts in your heart, like patience or redirection or whatever it is that supernaturally God wants you to know about, about how to help your toddler. Or it may be something in the Bible that you read that God gives you hope or strength or a verse to stand on. But also it can be God leading you to something outside 
of, of those realms. And that could be in the next couple of days where you just happen. It feels like happenstance that you meet somebody who's really great at working with toddlers that are like yours. Or it may be that you're somewhere and a book just happens to appear, you know, on a shelf that jumps out at you. And you're like, this is what I've been looking for. God, thank you for leading me to this. And then you know that the source of what you have has really come from your prayer life and from your time with God. It could be that as you're working with your your toddler, as you're playing, God would begin to show you what to say or not to say. And you'd hear this little voice inside of yourself saying, don't yell. Or you would hear this little voice inside of yourself giving you direction on how to help this situation to work better. Man, God works in our lives. He works in the nitty gritty daily parts of our lives. And so as we present our needs to him, he's faithful to help us and to show us a better way and to show us a supernatural way. Now, this could be in raising kids, but it could be anywhere from finances to relationships to the direction our lives take. And that's why in Romans chapter 12, it says that that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we would be able to discern what is the will of God. That means that we don't yet know it, but we will know it if we seek him. So by pushing ourselves into the presence of God, letting ourselves be in the presence of God, we'll be able to discern what the will of God is, what the good, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Those are things that on our own, we think we come to. But in every leadership book, every leadership conference, every gathering of, of people at conferences, all that is good. But where, do, where should it lead you? It should lead you to a quiet place alone with God. In my journal, and I'm going to look back here and see, um, there was something I read this morning that the Lord had spoken to me, and it said, um, find it here because it was really it hit me and sometimes like the things I find in my journal are just amazing because I know that they've come from the Lord and they haven't come from um, from my heart but from his and those are the ones that are just so good um, this is something I wrote a, a while ago it says the path to being a Pharisee is a highway with an easy on-ramp but the path to holiness is in the back of the back of the woods go and find it Building a testimony between God and I alone. Do you want to be a great leader? No, I want to be a great follower of Jesus. Man, all the world would tell us that climbing a a corporate ladder of importance is what brings us closer to God. But what brings us closer to God is finding the back of the back of the back of the back of the woods and finding a place alone with Jesus where he can speak right to us. The most profound leadership principles come from your prayer life. The most profound uh, principles for being a good mom come from your prayer life. The most profound things that have saved my marriage have come from my times in prayer. I remember a time just in such desperation where I just didn't think I could do marriage anymore. Man, I was just out of place of selfishness, self-pity, playing the victim, all kinds of stuff. And it was the word spoken to me by God that brought me back. And God said to me, a cord of three is not easily broken. And that's a scripture verse. But what it meant to me is that God brought my husband and I together and he brought us together on purpose. And if I would trust him, he'd begin to unfold his plan. And wasn't it him that brought us together? And those were the words I needed at that moment in that argument, in that season of life. And God, the creator of the universe, dropped the truth on me at that moment to to be able to do what I needed to do. The back of the back of the woods, the place where nobody sees, the place where it's just you and God, building that testimony between you and him, that's where it happens. 
And so how do you pray? You get before God and you're honest about what's going on. You're honest about what your needs are. And you ask him uh, to help you. Some more things here in my journal about prayer um, is that we need to take daily care to be with God. Otherwise, things collapse. Otherwise, it's day go by, days go by, days go by. But daily care in our relationship. Daily to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Daily to be in the presence of God. And when people talk about this quote-unquote presence of God, it's something that you just know by a prayer life. It's just something that you, you sense this overwhelming sense that God is here in this room. God is here in this moment. Not that he's not always there. He's always there. But there's times where you just know that God is doing something great and mighty in your heart. Now, this is a supernatural spiritual life that God calls every single person to. That prayer is not a respecter of persons. Prayer does not care about what age you are. Every age you can pray. Prayer doesn't care about how much money you have. At every income level or outcome level, you can pray. God doesn't care about your status. It doesn't matter who you are in society. You can pray. We look at Onesimus, who is the slave that Paul refers to in, in several letters to different churches. And he talks about how he is now a brother in Christ. It doesn't matter about your gender. It doesn't matter about anything. God says the access to his throne room is now open because of the cross and because Jesus rose from the dead, freeing us from the bondages of sin. We don't have chains anymore that are holding us back. We don't have a big gully between us and God. The access is there. We just need to choose to be transformed. We just need to choose to get there. We have everything we need. In 2 Peter, it says uh, that God has given us everything we need to live life and to live it his way. In order to find the mind of Christ, in order to be like Christ, we need to spend time in prayer. And that we do through gratitude and thanksgiving, through repentance, and through asking God to give us wisdom and spiritual understanding. In almost every letter that Paul writes, he says that wisdom or spiritual understanding is available to you if you ask. And the Bible is full uh, of time after time. Call on the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. God continually pursues us as people and wants to be with us. He has what we need, but we need to seek him. And we will find him when we seek him with all of our heart. So I want to encourage you to find time to pray, to not let any of these excuses weigh heavy. And I want to encourage you to set aside, listen to those words, set aside time. Because if we are living sacrifices, the most important is thing is time with God. Now we can absolutely pray in the shower. We can absolutely pray on our drive to work. We can absolutely pray while we're folding laundry or while we're with our children, but it is so valuable to make the most important thing, the most important thing, and to set aside, set a timer on your phone for five minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, and spend time with God to find a place to quietly sit before God, begin to pray, then open your Bible and, and read it. Then close it up and pray some more. Journal, write the things down. Guys, I have three uh, notebooks. They're three yellow notebooks. They all look the same. One is uh, where I write down things that I'm thankful for. And man, it is so powerful to daily go before God and, and, and write out these lists of things that I am thankful for. Those are great on a great day, but they're even better on a bad day because I can look back and see the goodness of God in my life. I have a second journal where I write down the things that I'm repenting of. You want to know why this is so valuable? It is so valuable because sometimes I can think, oh, I have 
nothing to be sorry for. But when I let the Holy Spirit begin to work in my heart and reveal things to me, my list gets long. The other thing that it shows me is where I've repeated the same things day after day. I didn't even notice until I, I had this journal and I start to look and I say, wow, there's a pattern here. And I've really, this is an area that God keeps revealing to me. I want to change. Holy Spirit, help me to begin to transform my life. The other thing it does is repentance, repentance slows me down in my day. There's been moments where I'm about to do something or say something. And literally a little flash of my journal comes in my mind. I'm like, I don't want to have to write that down tomorrow. I don't want to have to write down that I did this. It keeps me accountable to the God of the universe. It's not just me floating around saying, I want to do this or I feel this. or I. It keeps me in a place of accountability before God. So my repentance journal is super, super valuable. And it's not a list to keep. It's not to keep a list of all the sad, bad things that I do, but it's to bring me into accountability of healing and wholeness with God. And then my journal of things that I'm asking God for or seeking God about for his wisdom or, or his direction helps me to see that when God answers something, it came from God and not just a good idea I had. But these are the things that I've presented to God. It also takes them off of my plate, off of my shoulders. I'm no longer carrying them, but giving them to God. God, you are uh, the Lord of all, so I give you this person who needs healing. God, I ask for your wisdom and understanding on how to help this person. And I give those things over to God. And he is faithful to speak about things in the right timing. Some of the things I've been praying for the same things for a long time have heard nothing. But other things, God, in his perfect timing, gives me wisdom and spiritual understanding. And he promises to do the same for you. Prayer is an elementary principle, but one that we have not dived into enough as the American church. We need to seek God. We need to daily, daily take care to pray. Daily take care to be in the presence of Jesus, the one who can transform us. Psalm, or Romans chapter 12, and I'll read it one more time as we close. I appeal to you, therefore. I beg of you. I make an appeal. I say, guys, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice daily in the daily grind of life, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We can't be holy and acceptable to God unless we draw near to him and we become spiritual people. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual act of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by the by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good acceptable and perfect let's pray God, we come before you and we thank you that you are interested in every area of our lives. And God, we ask that you would help us to have a longing. You would help us to put this into practice. God, I pray that we would make steps to begin to pray every day, to take care, to do the things that you've called us to do. God, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for the invitation to your table. In Jesus' name, amen.